Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. We have opportunity this morning to read from the book of Genesis and also some other passages of scripture. When I was asked to fill in on this day, Pastor Steve and I talked a little bit about what he was focusing on and he told me the story out of Genesis and so I said, well, let me reflect on Genesis chapter 5 because I have always found it an interesting aspect of scripture. There are parts of scripture, of course, that we really uh, focus on and we memorize. Psalm 23 is an example, the Lord is my shepherd. And John 3:16, for God so loved the world. But I doubt very much that a lot of people spend time with Genesis 5 because it's a bit of a genealogical statement. And you can find all sorts of genealogies in the scriptures if you go to 1 Chronicles or 2 Chronicles for example lists and lists and lists and lists of names and when my dad uh, read scripture at the supper table he would always conveniently skip those things but I think there are sometimes lessons gospel lessons of hope to be learned so I'm going to invite you to Uh, Start with me this morning and read with me from Genesis uh, chapter 5. And as we read um, this particular chapter, you'll note that it lists genealogies, it lists names. But there is also within the whole structure a common refrain and then suddenly a change. So hear the word of the Lord. Genesis chapter 5. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created human beings, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them human beings. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. And after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived a total of 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel, and after he had become the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived a total of 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared, 
And after he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived a total of 895 years. And then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he had become the father of Methuselah, Enoch lived, walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. And after he had become the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived a total of 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived a total of 777 years, and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So I trust that you picked up the refrain, that constant little line, and then he died except with the story of Enoch. And so turn with me, to, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll read about Enoch there in the hall of fame of faith. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And then go to the second last book of Scripture, the book of Jude. It only has one chapter, so it's not Jude 1. It's just Jude verses 14 and 15. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone, to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in an ungodly way, and all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires they boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. This is the word of the Lord. So think for a moment about walking. You know, we, we, we raise our children and we celebrate when they take their first step. 
we call grandparents and we say, our little boy, our daughter has taken their first step and not fallen down. And after that, we begin to worry where their steps will take them for the rest of their lives. We celebrate and we worry. But walking is so essential. When you lose the ability to walk, some people have strokes and, and can't walk anymore. They need to have a, a walker or a cane. When you become more frail, one of the great frustrations is, is that you lose your freedom to move around, your mobility. Walking happens so easily for us, almost thoughtlessly, that sometimes we, we fail to get the lessons that can be associated with it. We get up and we walk to the bathroom. We get up and we walk to the kitchen and we get something to eat or drink. We get up and we walk to our work. We get up and on a day like this where the weather is glorious, we'll take a walk with loved ones. We get up and we move and we walk. And it says in the middle of this, of this litany of people who have lived long lives, it says, and then he died despite having other sons and daughters, except there is this good news little story about Enoch. Enoch walked with God and God took him. And in Hebrews it says, God took him because he pleased God. And in Jude, in Jude it says that people would be judged because they were commending themselves and looking for their own interests. And so I want to ask us this morning, as we think about the history and the story of Genesis, what does it mean to really, truly walk with God? Now, when we think about walking, we think about putting one foot in front of the other. We think about going someplace. But I don't think the whole idea of Enoch walking with God meant that he took a stroll and that God was beside him on that stroll, although Enoch must have learned some things from God. And we know that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the garden and reflected before sin came in. And so Enoch must have had some experience of God humbling himself and being with him in creation to learn of God and to learn what it meant to please God. But the heart of walking with God here doesn't mean just simply taking a stroll. The heart of walking with God means uh, uh, an idea of having a relationship with God. You know that you know, people go for a walk in the afternoon. Why? Well, a boy meets a girl, a girl meets a boy, and they decide to take a walk, and they get to know each other. And as they get to know each other, they begin to feel this attraction to each other, and they fall in love. And then they, share, they decide to share life together. They develop a relationship. They learn to give and to take. They learn to forgive and to be forgiving. 
That's what it means to walk with God. It it is a manner of living, a way of life. In Genesis chapter 17, we begin to get more detail about Abraham and his walk with God. And God gives him an instruction. Walk before me, he says, and be blameless. Walk before me and be blameless. The prophet Isaiah says, there is a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And so there is a call to obedience, a call to commitment. I don't know whether Living Hope has had Gem Sunday yet or whether you're going to have one this year. I know that in my home congregation they had it a few weeks ago and we were reminded of the Gem's theme verse. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Those are the words of the prophet Micah. He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? Do justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. A a lifestyle, a manner. The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians instructs, he he says, we are to walk with the Spirit. And when we walk with the Spirit, you will not, he says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will walk before God and be blameless. To walk with God is to dedicate yourself to building your life on a solid foundation. In Matthew 7, at the end of the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus uh, closes the sermon with a story, with a parable about the wise man who builds his house upon the rock and the foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. We are called to be wise, to build solid lives in relationship with God. Does that mean that we will escape death like Enoch escaped death? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that we will be contributors to something that is lasting and worthwhile. We will be people who will be implementers of the kingdom. So I want to ask you to reflect with me on this question. How does a person walk with God? What, what, what things are essential in terms of the developing of that relationship? I think, number one, you need to find a certain level of agreement with God. The prophet Amos in chapter 3, verse 3, makes or asks this question. Do do two walk together unless they are agreed? Well, of course, you know, people can walk with people that they disagree with. And you can have debates and conversations. but, But will you walk in a lasting relationship with such a person? Think for a moment about a relationship like a marriage. Do you walk in a lasting relationship with a person who you do not agree with on the fundamental essentials of life? Like, where are we going to live? Or, what are we going to eat? Or, what are we going to spend our money on? 
or, and you fill in the blank. There are relationships where essentials are important. It is important for all of us, if we are to walk with God, if we are to have a relationship with God, that we are in agreement with God on sin. What is the nature of sin? Is it just simply a mistake? Is it just simply, you know, putting sugar in your coffee when you intended not to put sugar in your coffee? Is that it? Or is sin a treasonous activity that is fundamentally traitorous and destroys the creation in which God has made you an overseer? To agree with God, you ask yourself, how is a person saved? Are there many ways up the mountain? And that does, regardless of the way you take, once you achieve the top of the mountain, you'll be with him forever? Or is there one way, the way of Christ? And to what should you dedicate your activity in your life? What, you should, what should you make a priority? Well, Jesus teaches in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all other things shall be added to you as well. One of, one of the fundamental, and I'll get to it at the end again, one of the fundamental important things for any follower of Jesus, for any person who wants to walk with God, for any person who wants a relationship with God, is to develop a worldview, a way of looking at self and others and the world that is consistent and that shapes your way of thinking and doing and behaving and believing. Are you in agreement with God on some of the essential sin, salvation, service? If you are not, it is going to be very hard to keep in step with the Spirit. And Jesus at times will get very, very focused and blunt. Go to John chapter 21, if you like, at some point, perhaps today or in the week ahead, and you'll find there the story of Peter being reconciled with Jesus. He had been asked when Jesus was in trial, do you know the man? And he had said, no, don't know him at all. He denied Jesus three times, and for that, Jesus comes back after his resurrection, takes a walk with Peter down the beach. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three times he asked them that question. And Peter said, yeah. And they were reconciled. They were reconciled. And then Peter looks over his shoulder and sees the disciple whom Jesus loved, who we assume to be the writer of the book of John. And Peter says, well, what about him? And Jesus says to him, if, you know, if he is to die before I come back, what is that to you? You follow me. We can get so distracted that we fail to please God by looking at other people 
And Jesus says bluntly to us, you follow me. That's not easy. It takes the Holy Spirit energizing us. And as Pastor Steve said in his announcements, next week is Pentecost. And we need God's presence in our lives to encourage us and to bless us. So the first thing we need if we are to walk with God is to we, need, we, we need to be in agreement with God. Secondly, we need to strive to put what we agree with into practice. We need to put it into practice. We need to move beyond words and confession to actions and deeds. We need to build on the rock. Not just simply look at the foundation. We need to build upon the rock. And Jesus says to us, he says, you are to be seekers of my kingdom. And when we think about what does it mean to be a seeker of the kingdom, what we are to be doers of God's will. And then we say, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, we don't know exactly what it meant for Enoch because, you know, there was a lot of revelation history, redemptive history, that had not yet been recorded. So Enoch had to learn it from God and and we need to learn it from from the scriptures and from our experiences, uh, from history and our own experiences in life. But notice that Enoch strove to be pleasing to God. He was not concerned about his own advantage. It wasn't about me. It was about God and his people. And Jesus stands out for us here as the example. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes that Jesus emptied himself and he took upon himself the form of a servant and he washed the feet of the disciples. Is that hard? Yeah, it is. But it is necessary. It is needful. If you would be great, Jesus teaches his disciples, if you would be great, you must become least in the kingdom. Enoch did not withdraw from the world. If you read in uh, church history, there are many people who thought in order to please God, we needed to avoid sin at all costs. And so, so that sin would not have any influence on them, they would go to the desert and they would spend all their lives in a cave in isolation, praying and, and meditating on God. But they did it largely in isolation. I don't think that's what God intended. God intends for us to be in relationship with people. Enoch did not withdraw from the world. It says in scripture that Enoch had other sons and daughters besides Methuselah. He he was a busy parent. And then we read in Jude 14 and 15 that Enoch prophesied. Enoch wasn't disengaged from the world. Enoch was engaged with it. And Enoch could speak accurately to it and make an impact. Jesus calls us 
to be the light of the world. We are to be a city on a hill. We we are to reflect insight and understanding. Jesus calls us to be yeast. We, We are called to be an explosive power in this world, making a difference, not being harsh and destructive, but being influential to good. Jesus calls us to be salt in the world, to add taste, but also to preserve that which is good and of the will of God. To walk with God calls us to implement God's will. Your will be done on earth as is being done in heaven. Will that be hard at times? Absolutely. Absolutely. You think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. And we do the will of God. I'm retired now, but you know, you still stay engaged and you learn about people who are sick. And you ask, should I contact them? Should I express concern for them? And I can't imagine that one would say no, even though doing so involves the investment of time and energy. We are called to love, to please, to walk humbly with our God. Finally, to walk with God demands that we develop confidence in God. You know, I started by saying, you know, we celebrate our children when they take their first step. And as they learn to step and then as they grow in strength, we take them beyond the living room. We take them outside to the sidewalk. We celebrate when they run and play and kick their first soccer ball and all that sort of stuff. And then we may take them on a hike every once in a while. And as they grow older, the hikes become more challenging. And at some point, they need perhaps to climb a little cliff to get to the next level of the path. Or they need to walk across a log on a stream and they say, but dad, mom, I can't do that. And then dad comes or mom comes and says, hold my hand. And they put their hand in your hand and then you lead them across the log or you help them up the cliff and then they grow in confidence and ability. Well, we need to grow in confidence and ability with God. He he instructs us, confess your sins to one another, confess your sins to me. That's hard. But if we are confident that God will be faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, then, then we can do that and we can confess our sin to each other and say, you know, I need you alongside of me not only to forgive me, but to encourage me to do better in the future in a similar or different circumstance. I need you to be there for me. And then as we grow in confidence with God, we grow in confidence with his kingdom and with his purpose. In my own study now, I have just been reading a number of different books 
uh, on the book of Revelation. And, you know, with the whole COVID pandemic and all this other stuff, people have all sorts of conspiracy theories about what's going to happen. And lots of people uh, say, well, the end is in sight. Jesus is coming back soon. Well, that may very well be. But I want to remind you that people have been saying that for the last 2,000 years. And in my own study, I thought, I need, I need to read a book about a person who is rooted in the scriptures in the Reformed fashion the way I am. So I pulled off my shelf a book by William Hendrickson entitled More Than Conquerors, uh, which is a very tiny, very readable book uh, about understanding the book of Revelations. And as I was doing my final preparations early this morning, I drew to my memory uh, the story of Polycarp. Polycarp was the bishop of Ephesus, and he was the follower of the, uh, the apostle John in Ephesus, and Polycarp was confronted uh, about his faith. And Hendrickson writes as follows. It is possible that Polycarp was the bishop of the church at Smyrna. He was a pupil of John. Faithful to death, this venerable leader was burned at the stake in the year A.D. 155. And this is important. He had been asked to say, Jesus is, or he had been asked to say, Caesar is Lord, but refused. Brought to the stadium, the proconsul urged him, saying, Swear, and I will set you at liberty. Reproach Christ. Polycarp answered, Eighty and six years I have served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Please note that. I'll come back to that. But notice the sequence. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Then the proconsul again pressed him. The old man answered, Since you are vainly urgent that I should swear by the fortune of Caesar and pretendest not to know who and what I am, hear me declare with boldness, I am a Christian. A little later, the proconsul answered, I have wild beasts at hand. To thee, I, these I will cast you except you repent. I will cause you to be consumed by fire, seeing you despise the wild animals if you do not repent. But Polycarp said, you threaten me with fire which burns for an hour and after a little is extinguished, but you are ignorant of the fire of the coming judgment and of eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why do you tarry? Bring forth what you will. Soon afterwards, the people began to gather the wood, and thus Polycarp was burned at the stake. But he had confidence. The fire that you are threatening me with burns only a little while. The fire that you, if you do not repent, will experience is eternal. But note the sequence. Why should I refuse to honor my king and my savior. Very often in our world, we, we are so concerned about being saved, and that is essentially important. Because being saved means that your sins are dealt with. 
But I want to say to you that there's very little history in the world, uh, his, history in the world of people being persecuted for saying, Jesus is my savior. But when you say, Jesus is my Lord, and I must do his will, I must walk with him in agreement, I must walk with him implementing what he wants me to do, I must have confidence that he will see me through. When you say, Jesus is Lord, then you will be persecuted. And so you and I need to develop what I made reference to earlier, a worldview. Enoch walked with God because he understood the world in which he lived. He understood it had been messed up with sin. He understood that the only hope that there was was to please God. He understood that he could not just simply be looking for his own personal advantage. And so I'm going to ask you to think, to think about some worldview-shaping questions. As you desire to walk with God, let me ask you to answer this question. Who am I? Who am I? A human person made in the likeness of God, utterly, infinitely valuable in his sight. Where am I? On a world broken because of sin, dealing with thorns and thistles and pandemics, groaning to be set free by people who will be disciplined to do the will of God in every part of life. What is wrong? What is wrong? Sin. Sin is not just simply a mistake. Sin is a treasonous, traitorous point of view that seeks to live for self and destroy that which God has made and counts as precious. What is the remedy? The remedy is knowing Jesus by grace through faith being freed from your sin and be em being empowered to seek the kingdom and the, the will of God in every part of life. That is the remedy. And finally, this question. What time is it? What time is it? It's not just simply, you know, 1051 in the morning. It is the time to get up, to serve, to be engaged in mission, to walk humbly with your God, and to do his will in every part of life, to be a follower of Jesus. That's what time it is. So I hope you have an opportunity this afternoon to take a stroll. 
But I also pray that you will do more than stroll, that throughout the days of your life, you and I can walk humbly with God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for opening up the way of salvation to us, and thank you for equipping us to understand the bigger picture, the reality of a kingdom that is being shaped for the honor and the glory of the Father. We thank you also on this Sunday between Ascension Day and Pentecost uh, that Jesus is Lord, that he is enthroned, and that we will not be left alone, but that we will be given power from on high because your Holy Spirit will be poured out. And so I pray that you would hear our prayer, that you would bless us in our journey, and that you, your will may be done in every part of life. Hear us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.